Hello and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Aurélien, the Mindful Investor uh, at themindfulinvestor.net, Darcy White, darcywhite.ca, and Glenn Sutherland at glennsutherland.com. And we are happy to uh, be with you today. And today we will be discussing uh, Know Your Numbers. So maybe I could get going. Um, so I could get us started. So it's very important, you know, when you when you do. Um, so things are evolving right now. You know, interest rates are going up, and um, so it's very important to be careful when you do when you run your numbers, when you do your underwriting, and it's good to 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 do some stress tests. So okay, what if what if it's one point more to land? What if it's two points more? What if what if vacancy goes up? uh from from five to ten percent and and what if inflation keeps keeps happening so and what if what if i buy now at at like a certain cap rate and and right now i'm part of this mastermind group with uh, ash patel and what we do is when we underwrite the exit cap rate is usually one to one and a half even two points higher than the than the entry cap rate um, just to be to be on the safe side and yeah it's important to to know your numbers and um, uh, so in particularly in the underwriting before going into the into a, a deal into a, a business that you purchase that can be a, a you know a multifamily or whatever it is and um, so know your numbers make sure that the uh, the uh, the income covers the net operating the expenses and that you have uh, enough to uh, to um, to factor in uh, the the lending costs and um, also for example I know a friend one one of the strategies of a friend of mine his dad used to have a, a very big portfolio in um, in Saskatchewan and uh, one of these techniques was to keep the rents low because one of the biggest expenses is turnover so by keeping rents low tenants will stay for a long time and um, keeping rents not not too low but just below below market rent uh, was a, a way for him to uh, avoid the big cost of turnover uh, mm. also another question you may want to ask yourself is how much does it cost to uh, and it's part of turnover you know how much does it cost to find a new a new customer you know and that's uh, that's another way to another data piece of information you want to you want to you want to you want to know so these are some of the thoughts i had around um, and know, know your numbers those were good <laughs> those are really good uh and, and if anyone didn't listen to that well, just maybe repeat, rewind that and listen to it yourself again, maybe make some notes. But that's a lot about being conservative. And, and that's what I was going to talk about as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's being conservative with your numbers and really uh, thinking about what could go and even the way you're buying, right? Like if if you're seeing that the cap rates could actually go up, for, you know, which has been the opposite trend for a long time uh, to to plan that way, right? Um which it's a big one, right? To even buy the way you're buying has to change and you have to underwrite these things properly. So you're going to go, uh, my notes were basically the same is, 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 is Ari. And my only thing I had too on top of that was just to be able to, um, you have to figure out how to communicate that to the people who are helping you do the purchases, right? So the, the realtors, the brokers, the, 
you know, wholesalers, whoever's doing this to, to tell them that, you know, like, this is what I was doing before, but this is how it's changed. This is how I need to be more conservative on these purchases because I, you know, I don't know. I don't, anyone who says they know what the market's going to do is a liar, <laughs> or, <laughs> but you, you need to, you need to be, you know, communicating this out to the people who are helping you with all this too. Um, but it's being conservative. That was it. Like every number being more conservative, having some wiggle room and everything. Yeah, Ari listed a few relevant um, numbers for his business, the way he has a lens on what he's looking at. Um, I, you know, I think what is critical is knowing which one of your numbers are the actual relevant ones. I mean, it's different if you're fixing an apartment building um, or trying to build your rent roll for sale, or if you're trying to hold it on for cash flow or if trying to reduce things. So focusing on the right numbers is, is really kind of critical. Um, can I take this in a tiny bit of a different direction? Yeah. It is about the numbers, right? But bear no, with no, me. No. Go, go ahead. Okay. Um, you know, some of the relevant numbers for me, and, and already pointed to these are, you know, what's your vacancy rate? Because, you know, contrary to what many of my tenants think, when they see this, you know, big giant building sitting on a piece of land, if I have 15% vacancy, I am not making any money. In fact, it's probably close to bleeding. So knowing what your break-even number is, what your holding number is operationally is pretty critical. You know, you have to, because you make decisions on what you do with your rents, keep them low or raise them. Or if you've got trouble, um, you know, a difficult situation going on with a tenant, you may forbear and find a way to solve that problem with the tenant rather than evict them. If you're really close to those numbers, um, you know, the real shame would be to lose a building because you just didn't know how close you were to losing it. Um, so one of my old partners, um, Bill Chorney, was always really careful to know exactly what it takes to hold. You know, what's your lose number? Mm. So he would be looking at what are our average operating? What's the highest operating cost per in which month? And make sure that we can scrape through that month, whatever the highest operating month is. You know, it's usually in the winter when your gas and electricity bills are high. Sometime, you know, when your insurance might be due, you know, maybe have equalized payments on that. But that was always a relevant number for him. He wants to know what's our expenses and what's our income. And, you know, are we scraping by like the Titanic past an iceberg or we got a hole in the hull? Um, bad metaphor, I suppose. Um, you know, what are your cash reserves? Um, my bookkeeper hands me a, a note on a cash reserves all the time. Um, what are our operating cash flows? I report quarterly, but I look at it monthly. And if they're, if we're in a project that's, you know, um, we're spending a lot of capital, we're building or correcting or fixing in that you can quickly lose track of a $700 invoice there, a paint job there, or this, that you can burn 20 grand in a month real quickly, some boiler repairs, some, you know, major renovations, you know, getting a deal on buying 10 toilets. That's a great deal. It's also, you know, $1,300 or $1,500 with tax. Um, so just those numbers are, are pretty critical. Those are operational numbers. And you're expected as the operating partner to know those numbers. Um, I look at every uh, invoice. I approve them. You know, some of them like gas, gas bills are already prepaid. I'm just looking at them to see a trend. I know my bookkeepers are looking at it to see if there's variance. I'm looking at it to see larger trends and where they fit in our budget. Um, but here's some other numbers. This is where I'm going to go astray a little bit. Okay. Um, you need to know a handful of phone numbers, your bankers' numbers, your insurance brokers' numbers, um, your key um, contractors, and you need to be talking with them. You can't leave them out in the cold. They want to know, uh, this is a relational business. They want to know that you're doing fine or when you're not doing fine, they want to hear from you early, not late. That's, 
So these are numbers that I phone all the time. Some of my critical investors, I'm phoning them all the time. I know their numbers and I go for coffee or a piece of pie or breakfast or lunch, or they drop by with smoked salmon from the fishing trip. Um, you want to know how many ounces are in a 40 ounce bottle of uh, aged scotch. You want to know how many ounces in a pour. These are numbers you want to know. You want to know what their favorite age, whatever is. These are things you want to know about your partners. I'm going to throw some other numbers out there. Number one, um, uh, the guess who had a tune looking out for number one, huge hit in Canada, not so big in the States, but it did. Um, the, the, this is might sound time bit selfish, but hang with me here. I tow a bunch of people in my wake, employees, contractors, and tenants. I look after a lot of people. If I break down, and this is what I think of when I'm at the edge of, when I'm doing something silly, potentially silly with a chainsaw, or if I'm hiking and climbing and I'm on an exposed ledge and I just think, yeah, I can probably do that. I'm 59. I should check up and go, should I? Or if I'm at the top of a double black diamond run and I recognize that I have 17 mortgages and I'm towing about 35 people in my wake, I need to make sure that one number I take care of is me, that I get rest, sleep, I don't break anything, um, that I'm actually fit to work. Um, and that might be, how many drinks did you have tonight? Or, you know, those kind of numbers. What is responsible and reasonable? Um, and think about the sustainability of your organization and your organizational leader, yourself. If you don't survive this, what has been the point? The other number I think of all the time is five. That's the members of my family, my wife, mm -hmm. my three daughters. I think of those numbers and what am I doing this for? I think of minus one, who's missing? Uh, yesterday, I toasted um, the passing of one of my friends who died uh, just a little over 10 years ago on September 20, uh, September 13th. We shared the same birthday. He's one of my investors. And I think of him often, who's missing at this table. I think of my dad that passed away. That's another minus one that passed away last summer. And others who aren't there. Um, those are, you know, not to get maudlin, but those are numbers that I think about all the time. I also think about how much is enough. You know, that when you're like Glenn and you just keep adding and adding, it's exhilarating. Um, but at some point you're going to go, I don't want to work. And here's another number, 14 hours a day, another number, six days a week or seven days a week. Those are numbers you want to pay attention to. Um, maybe your cholesterol count or your heart rate or your blood pressure. Um, what's your number to sell it all? Everybody's got a price. You might want to know that number. If someone comes to you with that price and you're not prepared, you could miss an opportunity. There is a number for everybody. There's a number that you should get out and you should pay attention to what it is. There's a number when you should sell and you know what numbers say that it's time to go um, and when you're done. Um, there's lots to life, not more than work, more than building a business, more than adding up doors. Um, and you should know those numbers just as well because if the business and what your work is doing isn't serving that one and you're five or four, or like Glenn's number is four, Ari's number is three, plus some other people. If this num these numbers aren't serving those ones, you got something wrong. If it's just you serving 480 doors or a number in your head like 19 properties or 30, um, you probably got some numbers wrong. All these numbers are measured over time and that's another critical number. My time is 59. I'm going to be 60 next month. That's an, it's an important number. Those zero to even number ones, people check up and check in. And I'm doing the same. So those are 
you know, maybe it took it a little bit different direction, but the numbers have to be placed in a context. The building and operational numbers have to be placed in a larger context of what you're, you're planning to do and what your partners expect and those that are investing with you. I don't know. That's just the way I see it today. I may be feeling a little mopey or a little philosophical. I don't know. I liked it. I feel like I, uh, I, I was just thinking real estate and I think yeah, I under, under thought about it. Yeah. I under, I wasn't thinking about like numbers in general. I was thinking my numbers for real estate, but there, that is, I don't know. That's powerful. <laughs> you just that's said. a little, little sermon sitting by the fire this morning. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. So I'm putting another log on the fire and pour another ounce of 16 year old scotch. I don't know. I mean, I think we're in different points in the curve here and we're doing different things. And I think that's why it kind of works. Um, we're all seeing it a little bit differently while doing the same thing. And I don't know. I think it's pretty compelling. I, th I think I've re-listened to, I think, episode 64 last week while I was running. And Glenn was talking about your numbers, whether they're a percentage number or a number number, like a dollar number. The difference between properties in states that are touching the water and interior continental properties where it's a percentage works. And I, I thought that was really brilliant, too, if people go back to 64 and listen to that, how Glenn's working that through talking about numbers. I don't know. Thank you. Those are my thoughts. Um, I have a question kind of for both of you, because you brought yeah. up cash reserves. You were talking about, at the start of it. You, you mentioned cash reserves. Yeah. And the hard part I have about cash reserves is, you know, inflation. So um, it's yeah. eroding your cash reserves, which could be anywhere from like the inflation from eight to 15, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> um, so, you know, I keep cash reserves and I know, know both of you keep cash reserves. It, do you keep them in a savings account? Like do they earn anything or do you just let them eat? Like I, yeah, I roll them up in a wad and I stick them in a Mason jar and I dig <laughs> a hole under the tree in the front of my yard. So no, could you, um, uh, could you provide that address for everybody? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I live in Cambridge, um, Ontario. So, so I give some address, and there's people digging up some guy's yard. He just has no idea. Get off my yard! Yeah, exactly. Um, I do, I do keep it in the bank, and the bank doesn't offer interest. It is not efficient, but it's for me, it's safe and smart. I can sleep this way. So, yeah, um, because it's corporate. We raise it in the corporate and the partnership. I can't put it into a savings account. They don't offer that. I can't put it in a bond, in a short-term bond, and get at least a couple of percent on it. It is not efficient, but it's just, I think it's wise. Now, others might do it differently. It does compress your ROI a bit because you raise more money than you needed exactly, but no job's perfect. You can't land them perfectly, and I learned that with some of the properties in Windsor. Stuff happens, and it, it breaks, and, and you find things behind walls that even though you inspect it, you go, what? So I did, I did hear um, um, when I was talking to some other investors, I was bringing that question up a lot because I've been keeping cash reserves around. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it depending on what kind of real estate you buy, this could possibly be an option. Um, and what I heard one guy doing is he was keeping all the cash reserves and, you know, the inflation is getting high. And what he did instead was he would go to the bank first and say, can I get um, home equity line of credit yep. on the property? And get this in your paperwork first. And then once you do, then you go pay down the property with all your cash reserves. And then you can get it back as um, you know, a home equity line of credit. So you yeah. can still have access to the money, but it's saving you the interest, right? So you're actually earning something on it. Yeah. 
that make um, any sense? Yeah. Yeah, actually, that we did that with Motor City. Yeah. Um, Fabio Cheska built a little program for us at Motor City Credit Union in Windsor. But that was when we had significant equity in the building. So he could have off the mortgage as a line of credit for operational stuff. So we could take some of our own personal cash out and leave the line of credit. And it's, you know, when you're not using it, it's zero. It's not costing you anything. It gives you some operating flexibility and segment the mortgage. This part is fixed. This part's an operating line of credit. Um, that can be pretty good on a, on a mature property. Um, generally, though, we really need it in the first three years when we have, mm, yeah, you know, doing a you don't have equity. any new equity to work yeah. with. Ari's given us the other number, the time number. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you, uh, Glenn and Darcy, for your insights. And uh, if you have a question you'd like us to discuss, feel free to email it to us at advancedreitalk at gmail.com, advancedreitalk at gmail.com, and we'll, we'll gladly uh, answer it. And uh, yeah, darcywhite.ca, glensutherland.com mindfulinvestor.net these are ways to get in touch with us and uh, yeah thank you for tuning in see you next time thanks Bye, everybody, everybody.